0: Blog Talk Radio. It helps if I put my glasses on.
1: Let's get lost in a better
0: place. Pick up a world, travel through time and
2: space. So much to learn, so much to see.
0: A chance to escape reality.
3: Open your mind and your heart. MJ Network will bring you So let's talk about
0: it Good morning everyone. This is Fran Lewis. This is MJ Network. MJ in memory of my sister, Marsha Twice. This is gonna be one hot show. We've got John Land, Marilyn Levinson, Charles Salzberg, and Alan Topel, and they're going to talk about the last line of a novel. This should be really a lot of fun. So good morning, everyone, from Westchester before hi, we hi. snow. Hi. Hi. And Charles, hi. Good morning, I'm friends. so glad you made it, Marilyn. I'm so happy that everybody's here <laughs> to brighten my day and brighten their day, I hope. Okay, so this is, this is a question that's been bothering me. I read a couple of novels recently, too many, and at the end, they are the last one, I go like, did that really happen? You have to be kidding me. There's no way that that could be the end of the book. So when you create the plot of a book, it requires deciding on, of course, the main event, the legal issues in the beginning, but when you look, how do you decide... The ending, or the conclusion that sets the stage, either for continuation or the next novel. So, anybody that wants to try that, <laughs> how do you decide?
3: Well, I could I could start. Um, oh, good. I write I write a series, the Haunted Library series, and it, because it's a series, there's always a continuing line of uh, plot with my main characters, and I always. Um, solve the mystery not at the very end but close to the end and then I usually have a scene or two with my main character sometimes with her boyfriend sometimes with the ghost and actually it just leads into the next book so I always put something at the very end that will lead into the next book and I don't do I don't it's not even that I plan it it just comes out that way but you do it so well well thank will, you thank you <laughs> So who else does that?
2: Well, Fran, I, I, mine, this is Charles. Um, mine is a little different. I, I don't know what the ending is going to be until I actually get mm-hmm. there. And for me, it's not so much what I how I choose to end it. Um, by that time, the book has dictated uh, to me how it's going to end. So um, it, there's there's absolutely no no planning in it, um, you know, and and. I think the mistake some people make is they is they think that um, that 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 last line or the last page um, has to be uh, I don't know a, a, a shocker or whatever. Uh, as I said, for me it's organic. It, it couldn't end any other way for me. Um, <laughs> by the time I get there,
3: that's, that's different.
0: No, I, I feel the so same like... way.
3: I, I feel the same way. it just comes about the ending, and somehow it leads into the next story.
1: yeah, I don't know, you know Marilyn on on your this is Alan, on your point about it sets up the next book, you know, I sort of mm-hmm. two minds about that because it's I try to do that with characters, but sometimes people say, you know they read something oh, he or she's to the authors. Just trying to set up his next book. Well, of course we are. We're always trying to set up our next book, particularly with continuation characters. So, in a certain sense, we almost don't need that because um, the reader knows with a continuation character that's where we're going. So, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, sometimes, and sometimes readers say he shouldn't, he shouldn't have done that because he's just he or she is, is setting up. Too much. So I don't know. I'm kind of mixed minds. Mm -hmm. But but another point Mm -hmm. was I just finished a couple books where the last sentence was kind of ambiguous as to exactly what happens. And that sort of infuriated me. I like closure at the end of a novel. Mm -hmm.
3: I agree. I agree. (laughs)
1: Well, it's funny, you guys,
2: because the first crime novel I ever wrote which was called Swan's Last Song, when I first wrote it, which mm. was 25 years before it got published, the ending of the book was that the detective doesn't solve the crime, that it's totally random. And so all the clues he's followed through the entire book um, mm. don't lead to, to the answer. And I couldn't get the book published. No one would publish it because they said, um, you know, the fans, the your, people who would read this book need an ending. They need a precise ending and they need to have the detective solve the crime. And so 25 years later when I dug out the manuscript and thought, well, maybe I'll try again and the publisher said, we really like this but we don't like the ending and I just changed the ending because in 25 years I learned how to sell out. But, <laughs> but, the, but the copy that's out now, the, the paperback copy, has both endings in it. My original ending and the, the one the publisher wanted me to solve the crime with. And I've had people read them, and, and almost all of them prefer my original ending. Um, so mm-hmm. it's just interesting about that, about endings, um, how important they are to people, that, that they, especially readers of, of this genre, that the crimes are solved and the world is put back in the, in the condition it should be in.
4: Yes. This well, you know genre, children... and I think... That was, I think, that was a great point, and a good, a great book can be destroyed by a bad ending. Um, right. th- there's no doubt about it. If it if it ends with anti <clears throat> anti climax or anything else, but I- I'm a- I'm also an aficionado of last lines. I mean, the very last thing that mm. an author leaves the reader with. I think I probably spend more time on that line than any other line in the book. And I'm not really <laughs> someone who's, who who spends a lot of time on, on individual lines. I'm not, I'm not Flaubert um, by, by a long shot. But I, I think it's a high standard. I think about, although it's not a book, think about the last line of the movie, Chinatown. Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. The entire mm. movie is summed up, summed up in that yeah. one line. You leave that, you watch that movie, and you realize that, that that's it. The whole movie now makes sense. Mm -hmm. Same thing is true of The Godfather. The last line as Clemenza kneels to kiss Michael's ring. Don Corleone. We end where we started. With books, I always come back to what I think was the greatest ending of a book I ever read. And that is, ironically, it's Louis L'Amour, but it wasn't a Western. (laughs) It was a book called Last of the Breed. And it was about a Native American commando who gets captured and imprisoned in Siberia during the Cold War. And he escapes from a prison that no one can escape from. And what's the difference if you do escape? Because you've got hundreds of miles of frozen tundra. So this brutal prison warden sends his best people and they call in the special forces of Russia and they can't find the guy. And he's killing them off one at a time. Ah, the movie First Blood. Finally, he disappears. They think he's gotten away. And the commandant, the guy who runs the prison, this evil, horrible guy gets back to his office, and there's a note on his desk. And this was the last line of The Last of the Breed. In my, for my people to become a man, you must take two scalps. I have one. Mm-hmm. And that's
2: because you know he's
4: coming back to get that guy. You know at some point, and so does the commandant know, that the, guy, that the, that the hero is coming back for him. It would be great if every book I ever wrote mm-hmm. had a line like that or a line like, forget mm-hmm. it, Jake, it's Chinatown. Unfortunately, they don't. And what I end up, what I tend to do almost every time is end a book with a line of dialogue. Let the character find the perfect line. Let me, mm. or let me try to phrase the perfect line through the voice of a character, normally the lead character. Um, so we're left with the person we spent the entire adventure mm. with. Yes. Um, I think my characters speak better for me than I can speak mm. for myself. What happened, John,
0: or anybody, when you have your last line, I just finished a book by, I won't tell you who. Two very (laughs) famous people. No, really. I, I read it in two days, which took me too long. The beginning of the book started one way. The ending was exactly how the beginning, but it taught the people at the beginning a lesson. Would does your book ever go back to the beginning situation and change something for the main character i I read this, and it was it's about aliens, and that's all I'll give away on that one. um The book was good. two very famous people mm-hmm. wrote it. It's just that sometimes I read the ending and I go like, "You have to be kidding, that could never happen mm-hmm. but would you would you bring the beginning back to the end
3: to help well, out know, i I always have a change in my character. Uh, If if that's what you mean. Um, And I guess I I have, I have, I write a series and Mm. my character is constantly changing and growing. And that's really what the last line reflects. And it's usually Mm. in her, in her thought or her word or one of the characters. say, And it has nothing to do with that, the individual mystery. So in Mm. a way, um, the beginning presents a personal problem. In the in the book, and and the end at the ending really reflects some growth on her part. So in a way, it addresses the issue at the beginning of the of the book, and it has nothing to do with the mystery because, as I said, this mm. is a series, and and my I I believe that people who read my books are mostly vested in the characters.
0: Well, I like the ghost. I'm sorry, I can't <laughs> it. She well, what much. happens when when the beginning the beginning of the book in this particular book, the main character is whatever, and she quits and she's fired, and then at the end something happens that changes that. So it's throughout the book you wonder, you know, wh- why would this person ever want to go back to do whatever they were before? But they're teaching a lesson. So does the beginning of the book it um it, it's hard to write the beginning of the book, but does it ever go straight through to the end? Whatever happens at the beginning,
3: what do you? Well, it it reacts to the beginning. It reacts to the beginning. The situation. I don't know why she would yeah. go back to the same situation, but the, the it would it's be different. The, yeah. the main the first chat, the first situation at the very beginning mm-hmm. would be changed mm-hmm. because that's what happens in a book change.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, let me,
2: uh, Fran, Let me let me answer your question in, with one word, and that is yes. Oh, good. And, and what I mean oh, by that. <laughs> <laughs> that I think a good writer can carry off anything. Anytime it <laughs> rules like like that, you can't do this or you shouldn't do this. There'll be some right. writer really good who is able to do it. Um, and, and and last lines really, I mean, they they often stay with you as much as as first lines. So for instance, this, who knows mm-hmm. what that lower frequencies? I speak for you. That's from Ralph Ellison's. Um, but an invisible man, and it's an incredibly strong last line. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there's the, you know, uh, so we beat on, boats against the current, boring back ceaselessly into the past. That's, that's the great Gatsby Fitzgerald. So, so I think you're right. You, you really need a, a strong ending. But I think that, that different writers can approach it in, in, in all the ways that, that, that you guys are, are talking about. Is m- My point is that there really are no rules. So, um, you mm-hmm. know, for me, I never think of the next book because I'm never even sure that there's going to be a next book <laughs> or whatever. Okay. So I can't really leave um, in that way uh, those kind of last lines, but I totally agree. It is, most, of, most of my books end ambiguously, uh, and it's not about whether there's going to be a sequel or not. It is, mm-hmm. I, I like the reader do a little work and um, figure out what they think um, might have happened.
1: When you say no, I agree Alan, with you. you.
0: I agree with you. Brian Freeman does that to me all the time in his horror books. He'll last line and go like, are, are you writing a sequel? I hope this character's coming back. And then I get disappointed because he's not doing that. He wants to torture okay, me. But
1: this is Alan. When you said a minute ago, a good writer, yeah. it makes me think, and it was, I read it so mm-hmm. long ago. Somebody correct mm-hmm. me if John's gonna remember, but <laughs> back away, John Foles in his book The Magus wrote it two different ways with two different endings. And mm-hmm. he wrote mm-hmm. the novel first. Of course I'm not John Foles. He wrote the ending first, then he wrote then they issued the novel with a different ending. Am oh I mean, yes. It was pretty bizarre, really.
3: Yeah. Yeah, but you know, you think about children's books; they they have choose-your-own-adventure. They're kind of mm-hmm. used to having different stories, stories going in different directions and different having different endings. When you think about that, you know, yeah, those I mean, are that fun. Was sort by of
1: the far. way, I mean, now obviously he could pull it off because of who he is, but I don't know why he did it. Maybe he wasn't happy with the first one. I'm not. Yeah, any of us try that, but and it does it does strike me as a. Somebody said a minute ago is is good writers could pull off anything, and, and maybe that's that proves that theory.
2: Yeah, I mean, for instance, well, I, I teach writing too. This is Charles, and and um, my the students often say, "Oh, is this right or wrong, or can I do this or not?" And that's the answer I give because for every rule you can find the exception and boy does that work or that doesn't work or whatever so um i do believe that it's that, that good writers can perform
0: magic so what happens when the publisher actually tells you said tells you that you have to change the ending can you disagree or well, they won't publish the book because what if your ending like you said I mean, how many books is, have I read? Too many. And sometimes I go like, <laughs> I mean, last week I read one and go like, you have to be kidding me. That's, that's, that can't possibly be a plausible ending. That could never happen. I mean, I wonder how many readers, you should see what I got for Population Zero. Some of them just didn't quite get why I wrote it. Oh, well, too bad. I don't care. Um, that That's the point. Sometimes what happens when the readers don't get what you're trying to say? that they really don't comprehend and they need to go back to school and learn to comprehend comprehension lessons because they really don't understand what you wrote. That that drives Uh, me crazy. When you get a review, the girl wrote, my population zero, I don't know why she created these worlds because I have no idea what she's talking about. What do you do when somebody doesn't understand the ending of your book or doesn't understand what you wrote? I usually don't uh, answer them. Or what you, uh, you,
2: you, can't, you can't win if you, if you get into a, um, you know, a, an online yeah. or a published discussion. I only did it once yeah. in my life, and that was, um, I was reading, uh, I rarely read reviews, but I was on um, Goodreads, and so I went, and this was what Devil in the Hole was out, mm-hmm. which is seven or eight years ago, and someone, someone wrote, this is the review they put, um, I don't know what all the fuss is about. And that was it. That was one line. And I thought that was so funny that um, mm-hmm. I wrote, I, and I said, I don't either, but I'm glad there is a fuss. And he wrote back, <laughs> he wrote back and he said, I am so sorry. You know, it's just I, what I meant was I wasn't expecting that kind of book. And, um, you know, So, uh, but I recommend never answering. It's just that one time I thought, this is, this is really funny. I, I've got to answer that.
0: No, she put it on Amazon. It's 4,000 words. I counted them. 4,000 words of I don't understand how she created worlds with no people and why the body came back to experience the world, and I didn't answer her. I was on a tour with Isabella Blackthorne, so they sort of told me that it was there. And I said to them, I review for you, too, and I would never write something like that. I cracked up laughing because it was so stupid. I mean, she made it, the whole thing was like, I don't understand why you wrote that. And I said to the woman in charge, why don't you tell her, because I'm not saying a word. Mm-hmm. But
2: next question. friend. I have a friend, have a friend. Um, have a friend who... Ahead. Whenever she gets, she's, she's more an artist, but she's a writer, too. She said whenever mm-hmm. she gets a letter that's, um, that's, that's nasty, that's negative, she puts it in the idiot pile. And whenever she gets a letter or a review uh-huh. that's really good, she puts it in the genius pile. So
3: that's a pretty yeah. good way to
2: handle it if, if, you know, if you can get to that point.
3: I think we have have to to remember that not everyone's going to love our books. We have to remember that. I mean, if somebody is reading your book and doesn't understand what it's about, she or he does not like that type of books. Simply that. I mean, I have friends who... who won't, you know, they don't like ghosts, and they won't read my book. I have other, uh, my series, I have other people, I get get mail. I don't like Paranormal, but I like your series. So, you know, you have to understand that you're not writing to the world. You're writing to people, for people who enjoy the type of books that you write. You're right, and the, the uh, people
0: in the, that did the tour apologized to me because they said they sent it to the wrong people. They actually know who they review for and who, what they review. I said, don't even worry about it. I said, you know what? It's, it was hilarious, and I didn't get insulted. I just said, you told. They said not to post. They were. They told her not to post it, and you posted it anyway. Oh well. So sometimes the last line is a shocker, and readers are caught off guard. So. Um, Why would a book uh, Would you share an ending of one of your books Anybody You want to share one of them And um, Alan question Is this a Craig Page that's coming out I gotta know
1: Uh, No Craig Page is coming out After this one This one is not Craig Page Craig Page is coming out next This is Kelly Cameron and Craig Page Oh goody Just because of you Fran I kept going And I'm coming back to Craig Page this is Kelly
0: Cameron. See that, see that? we need our we need our female characters, right, Marilyn? You see, I told them what can I say? Yeah.
1: Oh, I, I
3: just found I just found my last line. <laughs> it's, oh, it's good. Where, um, I mean uh, it's where um she's um my my main character, my sleuth, is willing to talk about getting married. Um, You know, setting a date in the future. And the last line is her her fiance saying, Dylan shot me a grin. Nothing would please me more. I really wish you would get
0: them married, but I don't know what's going (laughs) to happen because conflict is ready. Every time they they separate or she gets upset, I get upset too.
3: Well, something's going to happen to Dylan. I'm about to write it in the next book, but, um, you know, You can't can't kill him off. Oh, no, 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 no. I would I would never do that. I hate that, That's another subject. I hate when um, oh. when uh, an author kills off a favorite character. I stopped reading Elizabeth George for that reason.
0: Well, I'll tell you about that in a few minutes, because there's one that did it to me, and I'm going to yell at him in March. What can I say? Somebody <laughs> did that to me. Yeah. So what, does anybody else have a last line? Or if you could change the last line I'll, of your book, gi- would you change I'll, I'll it? I'll
4: give you... <clears throat> I do a series with Heather Graham uh, called The Rising, a sci-fi kind oh, of wow. YA series. And we, have this, we finally finished the second one, um, Blood Moon, which is coming out <clears throat> in November. You'll have her on in November uh, for, oh, for Blood Moon I have to, with me. That is even better. Uh, not a problem. <laughs> yeah. So, so the thing about The Rising series, which is different than any other series I've ever done, is they're sequential – in the sense that the, 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 the follow-up will, will begin exactly where the last book in the series leaves off. So hmm. you're, I'm always looking for that perfect segue into that. And the last line of Blood Moon, uh, which will be published in November, remember, uh, I'll just read the last line. As for him, what happened next? Well, that's another story. Dot, <laughs> dot, dot. And that's just... That's another story. Uh, my favorite, the, the best first line I think I've ever written, and I really pride myself on first lines, too. Um, also, mm-hmm. almost always dialogue, is the opening line of a book, the second book I did
2: in my Middle Eastern
4: detective series featuring Ben Kamal and Danielle Barnea. It was called The Pillars of Solomon, and the opening line of the story is, Tell me a story, Papa. And it's a little girl on her grandfather's lap. And the entire book unfolds through the eyes of the grandfather telling a story, basically in flashback um, to his granddaughter. But to me, we're all storytellers. And that first time anyone ever told us a story was, in a lot of ways, the birth of our writing careers. And there's no greater thing than someone just saying, tell me a story. Um, because that's how s- storytelling started. How writing, what we do, started with oral storytelling. Yes, um, yes. Before anyone, before there was a la- before there was written language, this is how stories mm-hmm. were told um, around the around fires by 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 er- a man. So I, I just love the notion of opening a book with "Tell me a story" <laughs> um, because that's what we all do. And I'm so glad I, you said I, that,
0: John. Because to be honest. On May 12th, my professor and I are going to talk about exactly that, oral stories, and how children learn through language experience, and how oral stories are the way to start teaching kids how to read today. He's, mm. in, he's my professor Yeah, he's my professor in college. He's the reason I told him I'm too smart. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we're going we're to talk mm. about how reading was taught in the 1800s, and how maybe they <laughs> should start bringing <clears throat> language experience back now. So I'm glad you said that, because he's exactly right, oral stories. And, um, you know, I, I, well, I memorize them. I have to add into. I Fran, have to
4: when add you about, When you I, think about it, Fran, the the entire notion of yeah. la, we're all looking for the perfect last lines. I wonder how much when you look at the shows like The Twilight Zone, uh-huh. <laughs> well, I love presents. We're all famous for their twist endings. Uh, yeah. Henry stories. The great ending to the Reprieve Reformation. Where the cop who's trailed the safecracker for twenty years waiting to catch him, catches him in the act only because the safecracker mm-hmm. Jimmy Valentine busts get opens a vault to let a kid who's trapped inside out, and you know um, Jimmy Valentine sticks out his hands he's going to get arrested he's going to spend the rest of his uh, life in jail, and the cop mm-hmm. willingly will you know the cop looks at him and says you know." Uh, he puts out his hands and says, I guess this is it for mm-hmm. me. I guess it's the, the end of Jimmy Valentine. And the cop yeah. looks at him and says, Jimmy Valentine, who's that? I heard he disappeared 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, yeah. Think of all those great Twilight Zone endings. Mm-hmm. Think of all okay. those great last lines of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. A few of the night galleries, not many. It's uh, um, just brilliant. And it's like it's, I always like to end my books as much as possible. Look I would like to shot. ask a question of of
3: my fellow authors. Speaking of, of stories, sometimes mm-hmm. when I'm writing, and I always include it and my editor has never gotten it out, all of a sudden I'm writing a story about a, a secondary character that seems to just come to me, and I put it in the book, it fits fine, it has nothing to do with the main characters or it does in a, in a side way, Um, Does this ever happen to you where you're suddenly writing a a story about another character as, as if you're telling a tale around the campfire?
1: Become intrigued by this other character. And he, takes on, he or she takes on a life of its own, yeah. Yeah,
3: just temporarily, just for a short, just to, to put that story in. And, I, and these stories are so vivid to me. I mean, and my editor has never taken them out, so she seems to be fine with it. But it's, I think that's the storyteller in us, I, I, a, story, a story within a story. Well, look at you. will you write the one's
0: Marilyn with the ghost the story in the story. Then I can't stop. Then I can't put it down. Seriously. <laughs> Cause, cause then then I don't get. I say, Okay, maybe there's a reason why Marilyn put that one in there, especially with the, with the brother and the uncle and the last one. You got to read it. This is so good. Oh, yeah.
3: I lo- I know the second the, the new ghost, but he, he... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
1: the new ghost. Yes. You yes. do what what you call it? Uh, did uh, Scott Toro. You you could put the secondary character, make him Oh, of course! Yes, yes. Next Novel. Hey, i got to ask, as long as people are asking personal questions and getting great <laughs> and going, off you all, there is no pride here. You can all say it's terrible, it stinks or whatever, but I am finalizing a manuscript for a book that Fran's familiar with called The Chinese Agent, and I've been wrestling with this last very propitious for me. I was wrestling with this will be the ending. Now, you don't know what the plot is, so, you know, it's a little bit like the Chinatown, But so, and I don't want to waste people's time telling it. But the last sentence I have, it's a, it's a quote. Somebody's saying it. Uh, this is to John. It's a quote. We're all victims of what our governments do. How do people react? Terrible. Forget it. I like it. Eh, it's okay. Any reactions? We're all victims of what our governments do.
3: Well, tell us what comes just before it. What comes just before it? I think more important than
2: that is the character. Mm-hmm. Um, we, need, we don't know anything about your character, so we don't know if it's someone who is is—is a kind of a paranoid person or whether it's – you know, so it's really hard to answer, mm-hmm. which goes to what I was saying earlier, that anything can – Okay, um, I don't want to. So I would need the context to tell that. Okay, so you're that. saying you need
1: context to put it in for the character. That's because it's iconic,
2: or you know what it, what it or it might be that the reader knows that's just the opposite, um, depending on the character. So for me, that's uh, that's what I would need to know.
3: And also, it sounds like resignation to accepting this, where maybe he didn't believe it before, or he's just giving up, fighting for what he was fighting. Right. Well,
1: it is that think... Kelly? Is that when Kelly you, at the end? Kelly Kelly Was Somebody else. Right, no, it's Kelly. It's Kelly Cameron. Hey, how um, I know? And then and then the, the she's working with a Chinese spy who's trying to justify uh, what what the spy did and how oh, this spy well, I don't want to give away the plot, but at any rate, but the spy tells her we're all f- that ends with this quote, maybe, I don't know. Okay. That's helpful. Thank you. <laughs> I
4: think um I agree about context, but the line feels to me very open ended and not really mm. knowing what it 's coming back to. I think the best last lines when I finish a book um and Stephen King is really good about with this no. they often have a sense they often have a sense of irony um, yep. i 'll give you and, and you made me think of the, but normally a last line refers back to something else. And like, what I don't know is, is that if, it's, if he's repeating, if that character is repeating something that, ha- that he heard before, yep. um, and I'll give you an example. The last line of the book I have that's coming out February 15th, my second, in Margaret Truman's Capital Crime series, Murder at the CDC, the last line spoken by a relatively minor character, uh, but an important character is, Everything's relative, Brixton, he said. Everything's relative. Now, that could read as irony, but the reason it's the last line is because Brixton says about a page page and a half earlier at another somewhere else, he uses the phrase everything's relative. And the reason why that's the last line in the book is the person who speaks it wants Brixton to know that the whole thing was recorded, that he was listening in that he has that kind of power. It's an underhanded way of saying, I'm not done with you yet. I'm still watching. I'm mm-hmm. still listening. And there'll be a time where I knock on your door because I require your services. Now, it doesn't say any of that. But, and a lot of people who, who read this book are probably going to miss the fact, and this is what you have to be careful of if you try to get too cute with a, with a last line. Is they may mm-hmm. not understand, or may have forgotten already, or skimmed the fact that everything's relative is a line they just heard, but because it plays as irony, so I kind of think that that last line that about um, victims of the government feels like it's introducing a new idea, read out of context. Whereas what is it referring back to, and why is it the perfect last line? Um, think about something more general, something more, again, playing a little more as irony. The great last line of the movie, The Wild Bunch, it ain't what it used to be, but it'll do. I mean, that could be the last line of almost any movie or book. It ain't what it used to be, but it'll do. And that sums up, again, just like those other references I made, that kind of sums up the whole movie. That kind of says it all. So, that's what I mean when I say talking about looking for that perfect final fade-out, that perfect final fade-out in a film like The Searchers when John Wayne can't join the family in celebrating what he's been doing for eight years, rescuing his niece, and while they're all screaming and, and crying and, and, and with tears of happiness, he turns and walks away. It's the perfect ending. It, it just can't get any better than that. And we're all looking for that, and I just don't know if that line... Accomplishes that.
1: That's a good point. I like that. Yep, yep, yep. He turns and walks away. Right. Okay. Good.
4: That's well. And sometimes turning just the subtlest kind of movement, the subtlest kind of motion, can make. um, And I I know I've read, you know, that a character just vanishes in the end. Just you know, um, you know, turned to say goodbye. He was already gone. Something like. Um, th- those kind of lines always work for me Yes,
3: I agree I agree And look at Gone with the Wind <laughs> that
0: Oh my God line. <laughs>
1: Yes Yes
0: Well, what happens when you have a plot Like one that I read recently um, It was really good I'm sorry that the author's not coming on All through the book you know that There's a husband and a wife They own a house, blah, blah, blah And there's something strange about the wife And at the end the ending makes you wonder: Was she really experiencing this, or was she really in a mental institution at the end? And at the end, the person that owned the house originally was it was a mental institution. At the end, you wonder: um, Did this really happen? Shutter Island. How do, how do you do that? And it was scary. Yeah, from it was Island. Scary. From <laughs>
4: Island. <laughs> Shutter Island. I, I was thinking oh, Shutter, Shutter, right. island. Oh, Shutter Island. Oh, Shutter Island. Yeah.
3: Right, you're right. I'm, why did I say? Oh, that was that was Nelson DeMille. Yeah. Nelson
4: DeMille.
3: Right, right. Right, Shutter Island, exactly. So No, this was, I'm trying to find the name. No, it was no, Dr. no, Bell. it's just the
0: same idea. Same idea, yeah.
3: The same idea. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know if I so liked that. I was going to tell you, yeah. it was scary,
0: was... and I'm saying, oh, it's called All I Want is the title of yeah. the book. And that's how I got this thing for the last line. I go like, Oh, my God. All of a sudden at the end, she thought she had a child uh, that was one, and they're telling her she didn't, and she wound up, the last line was, oh, my God, this poor girl, did it really <clears throat> happen? Did you ever write, write something where they say, what about an ending that makes you wonder if the, real, if the main character mm. really experienced the event?
1: I or agree if the with main you.
0: character has it in their mind? That's what's scar- that was scary. Mm.
1: That would bother me if, if to not know this reality, or was this not reality? I agree with that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like we're always told not to do, and it all turned out to be a dream. It's, it's a take-off yeah. on it. It all turned out to be a dream. I agree.
4: And yet, think about, arguably, the greatest twist ending in the history of film is The Usual Suspects. Right. And The Usual Suspects oh, are yes. exactly that. It wasn't, no, it wasn't a dream, but we were told a story. That never mm. happened. Okay. The whole movie is told in a flashback to stuff that never existed, or or was was you know obvi- or had some basis in fact, but it's Kevin Spacey as verbal Kent, a la Kaiser Sose,
1: yeah. sitting in a
4: cop's office, mm. knowing that he has to you know it, it's the brilliance of it is it breaks that rule, it breaks that rule. That yeah, it's all a dream, or it never happened, and yet it, and it all yeah. pays off so right. beautifully. So and what was operative. that? Yeah, and what was that movie about the little boy, the sixth something, the sixth the, sense, the sixth. The sixth sense doesn't have that final moment mm-hmm. as strong as the usual suspects.
1: You know, no. when, when we all it, it,
4: in 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 the sixth sense, we everyone got the ending, got the twist at a different time. That's the brilliance of it. In the usual set spikes, everyone gets the twist in the same exact moment. And, and, mm. and the genius of that, um, you know, and The, the Sixth Sense is, is absolutely, they're, they're both brilliant films, mm. as is another film. And I'm, I'm using film as a reference because it's pop culture. Um, you know, the, the thing is, in a movie, you could do a twist ending. You can build to it. Um, mm. it's, it's much more risky in a book to build everything toward a final reveal. Murder of Roger Ackroyd, what about that? (laughs) That was a a, twist ending. When when Rod Sterling wrote the screenplay for Planet of the Apes based on the book, the twist ending at the end of the book is it's being told by a father to his children, the story of Planet of the Apes. The twist in the end of the book is it's apes. It's a family (laughs) of apes. But that didn't work because you couldn't introduce that that early in the story. There was no way to do it visually. So we conceived the idea of what became the most classic visual ending, argue, one of the most classic visual endings in the history of film, which is the Statue of Liberty, you know, the, the top half of the Statue of Liberty on the beach in Charlton mm. Heston in the most overacted scene in film history, slamming his hands
1: into the sand. <laughs> you
4: blew it up, you know. God damn you, you blew it up. But the fact is is that Serling couldn't use the, the twist in the book, so we had to come mm. up with a new twist that worked visually. Um, and as, as writers, we're all visual. So I think whenever we're, we're thinking of that final twist, or mm. we're trying to come up with that Kaiser so say, I call it the coffee cup moment. When, when I talk when I teach when I talk about twist endings in school in, in classes, um, the moment the coffee cup breaks in The Usual Suspect is the moment that cues us that we just got screwed. We
1: just got screwed. <laughs> I mean, and forget. that's when. Okay, so yes. this is a good point, John, that you're making with the yeah. with the Kevin Spacey film. So maybe yeah. the t- Way is that there are no rules. I mean, in the hands of brilliant writers, uh, they could mm. they could pull off something just about anything with any twist they want. So there mm-hmm. there aren't rules. There are good writers and not good writers. Maybe that's a great point. Before great I point. forget,
0: I have to announce this for Monday. No, Tuesday. David Putnam will be here with the Sinisters on the 3rd Brian Freeman will be here with Ursulina, on the 8th, the author of Floppy Possum, on the 10th, Stella, Dear Heart. It's a phenomenal story about the Holocaust. Oh, yeah, and the 15th, John Lynn will be here with Murder in the CDC. Yes, you want to read that. And I hope I got what you wanted to say, because I think I did. And the 17th, we're going to have Cindy McDonald, and there's plenty more. And then in March, we have a, a, main, character, a main author, a great author that killed off, a, killed off a minor character. And I was crying. And I still haven't forgiven him for doing that. Uh, I don't know why he did that.
1: I I'm so, I, I it's I so
0: aggravating. To... Did anybody ever watch? I've been watching these murder programs to learn how to write better. And my niece is taking criminal justice, so I got her watching, Up and Vanished. I wonder if anybody would write a book like that where you they don't find the person that's dead at the end. They don't. They literally don't find the victim at the end of any of these. They wait 30 years. Would you ever write something like that? It's scary. It's called Up and Vanished. It's a phenomenal program. But no matter what they do at the end, they can't find the person that's dead. That's, it's scary. But,
1: but I have to say, Fran, you've intrigued me. When you said about John Land's new book, "Murder at the CDC," as you all you know, I'm, read it. I'm embedded in Washington, and I spend my whole life here, and I'm into all the Washington stuff. And hey, John, can you tell us who'd you kill off at the CDC? <laughs> I want to tell us. <laughs> well, no, he's well, not going to tell you. It's, con-
4: I, 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 it's confession time. Uh, confession being that confession time being that I had a title. I We basically, basically came up with a title before I had any idea what the book was going to be about. Um, and then as I was getting into it, I realized I didn't have anybody murdered at the CDC, so I had to put in a character who you never meet who gets killed, and one character survive, gets – it's poisoning. And, um, I, and here's what – I was going to kill off this character who is the long-lost daughter of one of the, uh, one of the uh, main characters in the, in the book, and I liked her so much after I introduced her, I couldn't kill her off. She was supposed to be the one who was murdered the CDC, but when I when I decided not to kill her off, I had to throw in this other character you never meet just so I could still call it Murder the CDC.
0: That's so sad. As, as long as you don't kill off Robert Braxton or the other person that I liked in the book, which I won't say.
4: I never kill off anybody. I can never, I always have plans to do it and then I never can do it. I, I, I start to like the character so much. Uh, I can always kill off the villains. The villains are fun. That's to kill okay. Off. But, and it's, sometimes it's even better to find them something that's better than killing them. A punishment worse than death, as they say, if you can find that. Um, well, if he's Caitlin
0: drunk, she'll find a punishment worse than death. That's for sure. <laughs> and so, so will Nola. Don't, don't worry about that. That's for sure. But I still think, Charles, you should bring back Harry Swan. And we, I like Swan.
2: Well, you know, he's had his time. Who knows? I, I would never say never.
0: It's so sad. I mean, like, you, I like You know thought, why because she's got a sense of humor, and you never quite know what's what's going to happen. And then mm. Marilyn can't call that kill her off cab. You can't kill off the ghost either. I'm sorry.
3: No, but I did have to get rid of the second ghost somehow. And I, I did oh, have to get rid of the, a TV reporter who was very annoying. So I, yes, there I know alway, there are ways of getting rid of people. <laughs> Karen, you can't get rid of Angela
0: and, and the people that work with her because you can't do that. And you can't get rid of Angela's husband either because he's good to her.
3: Oh, no, she's her best friend, right. You know, the no, friend so, talking about this reminds me, I think the best mm-hmm.
2: lesson I ever learned about writing was from when I was at probably 17 or 18. I, I read um, Norman Mailer's um, book about you know the, the war, um, and he, he does something, and he wrote it 75 years ago, so I, I'm not going to count this as a spoiler. He, there's a character named Lieutenant Hearn, who is the main character of the book, and halfway, this is the naked and the dead, halfway through the book, mm. he killed off Lieutenant Hearn and I remember thinking, I was so upset as a reader and angry. And then I realized, this is, this is a book about war. What, what a great thing, what a great move that was, is having your reader invested in the character. Mm. And then mm. halfway through the book, you kill him off. That's what war is. And I thought, this is, this is how powerful a writer can be. In manipulating the feelings of a reader, uh, because I'm sure most were angry as Mm -hmm. I was. So it sometimes um, uh, it 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 was it was a good lesson to me about doing the unexpected sometimes and making it work. Mm
3: You know, I mentioned um, the death of, um, of Roger Ackroyd a while ago because Agatha mm-hmm. Christie was really taken to task. People were angry <clears throat> that the narrator mm-hmm. turned out to be the murderer. But again, she, she turned something on its head, and she uh, was very successful. It's a good book. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Would you ever bring
0: the conflict over to the next book? So the conflict is not over yet. And the last line, and you know that that whoever that person is is going to have the next book. Do you ever not kill off the killer? Does the killer ever come back again? Those are fun too. Uh,
3: yeah, but it, I, it doesn't it doesn't suit a cozy, so I wouldn't be doing that. You wouldn't and do it I, that, yeah. I, know write,
2: that. I don't really write murder mysteries, so um, I, I I wouldn't. Do that either, um, but I, I had nothing against that. But but if you do that and the reader knows it, it kind of takes a lot of the suspense out of a a book. If you know yeah. that the main character is going to going to live, if you put that main character in danger, as you a reader, mean, I'm oh there's another you know another book coming in the series. Of course this this woman or man is not going to be killed off. So
0: <laughs> you don't know.
2: <laughs> well, Mori already
0: yeah. came back, didn't he? <laughs> No, I got really upset because this. I won't tell you who the author is, but he created a situation for the main character. I go like, you didn't really do that. You didn't really kill this person off. And then I wonder, I mean, it was a courtroom scene and I'm trying to figure out how this person got into the courtroom with a gun and shot somebody. He shot the wrong person, but that's beside the point. I was like, how, how could this happen? And how could you take this minor character that's really major and sort of Turn everything around. You can't kill off the minor characters. So, John, when when is Caitlin coming back so that I can get ready?
4: Uh, I wish I knew.
0: Well, she called the other day and said, "Well, to get tell them to get busy." Seriously, <laughs> it was in, in A text message. You know, She's.
1: Fran's good about that because she asked me several times. <laughs> When's Craig Page coming back? And the reality yeah. is, I'm tired of having Fran ask me that, so I'm working on a Craig Page book. <laughs>
0: Are you bringing Elizabeth back, I hope?
1: Oh, for sure, absolutely. But but that goes to one of your points, uh, Fran. In the series, yeah. um, he has had, Craig Page has had an ongoing feud mm. with a powerful Chinese industrialist. Yeah, Oh, and, and we've continued that over a couple of novels, and I think that's worked well. And he has one going with a Russian president. So I think you could continue to utilize those and, 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 and have those two lead characters good and, and evolve and can work. Look, at least I hope it's working.
0: That's why Craig Page, that's why um, Caitlin Strong, and you know he needs to come back. Both of them need to come back, Court Wesley, because yeah. Nola's going to create problems for her because she likes quite Wesley, Bring that can't back. happen. But she can't, yeah. she can't separate those two. Otherwise, I'm going to have to fire her. No, seriously. But I, I like, I like Luke, and I like the sons. They're, they're all so good. So you, there's a lot of stuff you could do to make everybody happy. What going to say? Um, <laughs> where's where's my list of more, of questions? The only other thing is, like I said, does your your last line or the how do you, okay? Let's go to the first line. The hardest thing for me is to write anything lately, but when you write that very first paragraph. When I open the book, all of your books, and John, I love when you do the prologues and the back then and all the rest of it. That's how I learn a lot of history here. Um, How do you decide what that first paragraph is? Because if you don't get me on the first paragraph, the book is going in the corner for a while. And, And then there's the other thing that I'm reading. There's one book that's two books. The author wrote, I won't say who it is, two books, and the first book was fair. The second book is—I I don't even want to read it. That's how ridiculous it is. So, what do you do? How do you get that that first line, that first paragraph? We have a few minutes to get the reader, like me, the reviewer, to say, I can't put this down. I'm going to read it in an hour and a half, which I do.
3: Well, I start with the I start with dialogue. And usually there's mm-hmm. some stress or problem. It doesn't have to be with the murder, but it has yeah. to be with the problem.
0: Well, that makes it easier. I can follow yours, but there are other people that write, and the first paragraph, and go like, "What does that have to do with anything?" Well, there's the, the killer speaks to the to the writer. How do you decide, John, how do you decide what uh, history, you know, what thing in history you're going to bring in for your characters from the past? Because that's interesting, too. I learn a lot.
4: Normally, it's tied somehow into the MacGuffin, whatever the big thing in in the story is. Um, For instance, in Murder at the CDC, I broke my Mm -hmm. own rule. I don't open with dialogue. I open with a tanker lumbered through the night, headlights cutting a thin swath out of the storm, raging around it. Well, what's on that tanker is the MacGuffin of the book. It's the big mm-hmm. thing that everybody is after. It's what's on that tanker that disappears in the midst of that storm um, mm-hmm. and then is, is found five years later and becomes a super weapon. So you ask yourself, and, and I learned, I stole this oh, Good Writers Borrow, Great Writers Victor Hugo wrote, right? And I... <laughs> I might not be a great writer, but I can steal with the best of them. And um, mm-hmm. I stole the notion of, of the, pro, the... Nobody did prologues or does prologues better, did prologues better, I should say, he's passed away, than Clive Cussler in his early work.
1: There mm-hmm. would
4: always be something that would set the tone um, for the entire story. It would always be that, it would always, and it would always go to the MacGuffin. Um, you know, and <clears throat> that to me... Um, was is how I start. What is it in the Caitlin Strong books? It's a flashback to one of Caitlin's. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's a flashback mm-hmm. to one of Caitlin's relatives uh, in the past, doing something in the past that has a direct correlation with the present. So the prologue is is a teaser. It's a setup. It's something. Some incredible thing happens, and you have to wait 100 pages to figure out what it was.
0: Sometimes I sneak ahead and just have to figure out what was. No, I usually figure out eventually what it is. So what's coming so. out next for everybody uh, and when? Uh, Marilyn, when am I getting Dewey Decimated?
3: Oh, yes. It just hit um, NetGalley, and I just found out that um, for the next few days, um, both the hardcover and the e-book is um, 25% off on um, Barnes & Noble. And um, that is coming out September 8th, I believe, to we decimate it. All
0: right. My birthday present. Thank you very much. Oh. (laughs) I'll tell them them to
3: send it to you, yes.
0: Tell them to send it to me. And if you want an interview, let me know when, because June is almost gone, people. So if anybody has anything coming out in June, Mm. well, I don't do uh, July, August, let me know, because June mm. is, Tess is Tess Garrison gets the last interview mm. in June,
3: So mm. no, September September would be fine for me, beginning the first week or second week, whichever is good for you.
0: I'll figure it out and let you know, yeah. not a problem. So, Charles, yours is coming out April 19th, right? That's the interview right. that you have with, and you're right. on Partners in Club. They, trust me, they don't let me get away with anything. They let me know. So as soon as I get it, I will let you know, and I will read it and create the questions and send them to you and to Gina. I'm getting good at this. So, Charles, where can we get all your other books that you won't write any more of? But I still like the second story, man. That was good, too.
2: Um, Amazon. um, Bookstores can order them. um, You know, wherever. um, Go to my website. People will find it. If they want to buy it, they'll find it. (laughs)
0: I really like your crime stories, too. They give me, you know, food for thought. People should really read read those. They're really great when you put them on Facebook. Between you and Vincent Zandry, they keep me out of the stores and shopping. It's great.
2: While while I'm posting something on on on, on Facebook, Vincent is finishing a book. he's, he's, He's amazing how prolific he is.
0: He threatened me with a case of books. I can't wait to read them. What can I say? So, John, where can we find out all about yours? And everybody, if you didn't read Murder in the CDC, you've got to read it. So seriously, this is really
4: good. Um, I Same thing. I mean, I, I, I just tell people to you know, go to Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble, mm-hmm. go to, go to mm-hmm. um, your favorite local independent bookstore. Uh, the problem yeah. is today bookstores are stocking less books. And um, mm-hmm. you know, and there's no more borders, there's no more Waldens. So I think we're in an in an era now for a, a lot of my books anyway, where you don't find them where you used to, and you have to order them. You have to you have to find them. You know, it's like I, I used to love to. So many of the best authors or my favorite authors, I discovered browsing in bookstores. It's very difficult to browse that way. The way. I used to browse. You don't browse on Amazon. You go to buy a book and you buy it. And that's it. You know, you don't sample things. You don't look, at least I don't, uh, the way I used to in a bookstore, just paging through the mass markets which pretty much don't exist anymore. So yeah, they um, don't even have look I think into it was the a book great point. anymore. You know, just They don't have just, it
0: anymore. It's here, it's no,
4: it's um uh but if, if you know, you can find, especially the capital crimes books. They'll be everywhere, but you may have to order them or get them online. Same, you know. You can't even go into a library
0: or... anymore and browse because they don't have them. When my husband wants a book, he has to actually tell them to get it. You know, whatever it is. They do. You, I look in, as I look in the window. They don't have anything in the window. They don't have any of the bestsellers anymore. It's really sad. It's it's horrible. But if you if you Google yourself, you might. You never know where you're going to find you. So Charles, um, we, we, where did I ask, Where are we going to find all of your stuff? Yes. And everybody's on Amazon. Everybody is on paper. Allen, where can we yes. find all of your stuff before we end?
1: On Amazon, all all sixteen books are up on Amazon and yeah. other other uh, digital sites as well, Apple and all that other jazz. So. Uh,
0: it's 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 sad because I'm very lucky that I even get the print copies of books, and unfortunately sometimes um, when I'm reviewing something, I get the, my friends that uh, when we can't say where, uh, we'll print it out for me even though they're not supposed to because they love me, and I'll just call my friend and I go I got a project for you, she and she'll say only because it's you, and when they know what I do, they won't print <laughs> out books that are copyrighted. But then it costs a fortune, but they don't care. <laughs> they they they'll, they'll just do it right away. So thank you so much. This has been fun. Let me tell you. And so, um,
2: I like I Thanks. said, I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna be brave tomorrow. I won't tell anybody why. But this is great. Um, if anybody has anything coming out, let me know. If there's anybody that needs an interview in June, let me know because like I said, I've got um I'm waiting for Don Bentley's for for um June. I've got tests. And I've got Alan, and I've got a few more coming out, so I don't want to make sure that I get everybody in in June. And um, as soon as I get your book, Charles, I
3: will let you know. Somehow okay, the post office is not it's delivering.
2: The I think it's on its way.
3: Okay. Oh, and I just want you to remind people that my, I write the, the uh, Haunted Library Mysteries as Alison Brooke. So if you can't find it, that's who, that's who the author is, Alison Brooke.
0: Oh, that's it. This is Marilyn, the famous album. Yes. And I, lo- I love the, the library series. And I like oh, the scary ones too. And I like your scary you. one too. Those are scary also. So everybody, um, John, you and I are going to have to get our snowshoes on, I hope. think. And Charles, you too, for Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, please I pray hope- that it doesn't snow until the afternoon because I need to get my hair done. No, seriously. Um, That would really be sad. Everybody, have a great day. Stay warm. Thank you so much, and bye. Bye,
3: everyone. Bye. Thank you for having us. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye.